family i am your host jay got soul this is out of the box podcast season three episode three yeah 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 so this show is titled black money matters all right so this show is sponsored by urban financial literacy urban financial literacy specializes in building protecting preserving your wealth so if you or your family need life insurance retirement planning credit repair mortgage protection or trust in estate planning reach out to urbanfinancialliteracy.com to book your consultation so today our format is going to run a little different all right so i want to take the opportunity to give you a little bit more insight behind your host and what i am about so in the last two episodes you may have heard me brush over the brand a bit today I want to talk more in detail about the Black Money Matters Act Like It brand. I want to share more about me and why I developed this brand to begin with. So I encourage you, if you're listening and you find that you have some questions, feel free to call in at 310-910-9676, extension 1. Call in to engage, encourage, or simply ask questions. I'm opening the phone lines today, so tap in with me. Special thank you to those of you that are listening live, and I would like to ask you all to share this broadcast so so we can reach as many people as possible. But before we get on with the show, I want to start with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the time that I have here in this studio. Thank you for all that you have done for me and all the opportunities you provided up until this point. God, I believe that you have so much in store for us, for everybody that's listening, and I ask you to touch every person listening in a special way. God, thank you again for all that you do, for waking us up, for giving us shelter, for feeding us, and for giving us the ability to help those that can't help themselves. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get into it. All right, so who is Jay Got Soul? I know some people may be asking why Jay got sold. All right, so my name is Jessica McConaughey. That's my government name. If you look me up on Facebook, my name is Jessica McConaughey. But I sort of developed a alter ego called Jay Got Soul. And I call my actual ego JJ. So Jay Got Soul. And the reason why I call myself Jay Got Soul is because through all of the trials that I've been through, through all of the troubles that I've had to experience, childhood traumas and all the things that I've been through, um, one thing that never wavered was that deep-rooted spirit within me that caused me to continue to be resilient, persevering, determined, and just constantly pushing for better for myself and for my family. So, hence the name Jay Got Soul. Um, I'm the type of person that will 
find a way if there's no way. If someone tells me that I can't do something, I'm going to find a way either way because I believe that, you know, God didn't place limits on me. And so I don't think that I have that. I don't think I should place those limits on myself. So Jay Got Soul, if you, if you know anything about me, and if you want to learn more about me, you can go to my YouTube page. I have a uh, intimate interview that I actually executive produce where I share a little bit more in detail about my story and it's titled Unbroken. And so that title is very powerful because through all of my experiences and as you watch that, you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about is in terms of my trauma. Um, I have been, I've consistently been unbroken. And so that rings true for me and, and just everything that I do and why I chose this path that I'm on now. All right. So the schools that I attended, um, let's go down the line. Uh, so the very first school that I attended, I went to Believers Christian Academy. And so this church was connected. I mean, this school was connected to the church that I grew up in, uh, Believers Assembly at the time. Uh, which is now LACC, LA Community CRC Church, Community um, Reform Church. And so at the time we had a school and that school pretty much protected a lot of us that attended um, from what was going on at the time. So um, I grew up during the aftermath of the war on drugs. So if you can imagine just all of the dysfunction that was going on um, throughout LA, you know, with the drugs going on and, and, you know, our families being broken apart. This school took a lot of us at-risk kids and taught us some really basic, you know, survival skills. Um, it had also taught us just how to be resilient. Um, and it, it just really poured a lot of positivity into us. So one of the things I remember from, you know, that school um, our principal at the time, uh, Pastor April Jackson, she used to have this saying, and it would be a song. She turned it into a song. They turned a lot of things into songs for us to kind of remember. And um, how far you go is your, no, how high you go is your altitude. How far you go is your attitude. And, you know, those things really stuck, you know, with a lot of us, but with me in particular, because... I've gone far in my life. I've been, I've been, you know, through a lot of different avenues um, to try to ex achieve. So back to the school. So that was the first school that I went to. And then I think I was probably around seven or eight. And I transferred to um, a school out in the valley. So this was a very interesting experience. Um, so I went to Beckford Elementary. And if you can imagine, like, the culture shock that one would go through from experiencing an all black, all minority school and then going into a suburban neighborhood to a white school, it was it was completely different, right? So um so I attended that school. Uh started off it was very rocky. Um didn't know how to interact with other kids that weren't like me and that didn't experience the same type of things as me. So um, their level of exposure was completely different. Um, so yeah, I went to Beckford, then graduated from there, and I went to Nobel Middle School. Uh, I think that's where the activism in me was ignited. Um, at this school, 
what I learned was that um, they weren't really too excited about inner city kids coming into um, these urban, uh, suburban neighborhoods and going to school there. So our treatment was very different. And I, I'm the type of person that notices differences. And so, uh, yeah, I was, I was considered a problem child at that school. And yeah, so, uh, I tried to get kicked out, but it didn't necessarily work out that way. Uh, so I stayed, but I didn't graduate from middle school. Uh, they kind of just passed me along. And so, after I left there, I went to Unipro Sarah High School. So uh, my mom and my coach, goddad trainer at the time, um, they both came together and they had to put them head to put those head together to try to make sure that I stayed out of trouble. And because basketball was something that I took to the most, and I actually put my time and energy into. Um, they decided that Sarah was closest, but it wasn't so close to home where I could just leave school, go home and ditch. But it was close enough to where it wasn't so far out in the valley and my mom didn't have to travel uh, to school every week like she did at Nobel to come and, um, you know, talk to the principal or talk to my counselor about something that I did or said that day. So, um, so yeah, uh, at Sarah, it gave me the opportunity to start over. Um, I was able to play basketball. Um, basketball was my, my favorite sport. And so it gave me the opportunity to be seen by college coaches and things like that. So, um, it was a very, very good experience for me. And it also allowed me to stay out of trouble. Um, that was one thing that you know, was difficult for me because I had so much trauma and I didn't know how to interact with people without that anger, without that frustration and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I went to Sarah High School and then I went to, uh, from there I went to Salem International University. That was uh, my first college experience. I received a partial scholarship to play basketball there. Um, and so yeah, I went there for about a year. Um, I had to redshirt because I did not get the score that I needed on the ACT to allow me to be ed eligible to play that year. So I redshirted and transferred to Talladega College the following year. Um, Talladega College is a HBCU in Alabama where, um, yeah, I, I got into you know, my blackness, I was able to tap into my blackness at, at Talladega College and, and really get a good feel for, you know, where my, where my folks was from. My dad's side of the family is from Alabama, Leroy, Alabama, to be exact. And so um, going to Alabama was like going home for me. So I thought, uh, but I was so far away from my family, probably like eight, seven, eight hours. So yeah, um, I went there, I graduated from Talladega College, but I only played one year. Uh, the first year that I went there, I sat out because of some traumatic experience that I actually experienced the prior, the year prior. Um, I was kind of like deciding whether I wanted to continue to stay in college or go home because my freshman year, um, I learned that two of my, my closest family cousins were um, killed months apart and so for me at that time it was kind of like is basketball that important 
you know, that I need to be away from my family. But there was also another side to that that I had to ask myself, um, would being would be would it be good for you to be at home close to the gang activity? You know, would that be a good idea for you? So um, I decided that it was it was best for me to stay in school. Um, but I decided to sit out because it was the, the pressure, the frustration, the anger, the hurt was too much. Um, so when I when I talk about mental health, um, I come from a place of actual experience, experiencing it for myself, seeing it within other folks in my family um, and my friends, you know, so I'm, I'm very sensitive to to situations and, and mental health in general. So, yeah, so my sophomore year, well, actually, that would be, yeah. So that that year, I did not play. The following year, I decided that I was going to get back into playing basketball. And so um, that was a tough, tough transition because I had to start all over. It's almost, well, I had to try out for the team uh, because I did sit out the year prior. Um, and I had to make the team, and then I had to work to make the starting lineup. And um, if anybody has played college sports, you know that making the starting lineup is a very difficult task, um, especially when you play for a team that is stacked with very, very versatile players. And so um, that was that was my point of striving at that time. I had to make the team. I had to uh, get on the, the roster and make sure that I get on the floor. And so the year was tough. But by the time we reached the tournament time, um, I was on that floor. I ended our tournament game on the floor, and we won a national championship. So I'm very proud of that accomplishment because that's that's one of my goals that I wanted to reach as an athlete um, was to win a, a ring. I wish I had my ring now. I will show y'all because it's a very big ring, and I wear it when I need to be encouraged. So... Yeah. Um, so yeah, I attended Talladega College and I graduated 2011. And then I attended the University of Phoenix um, to get a master's degree. And so I have a master's degree in marriage and family, marriage, family and child therapy. I also have a psychology, a bachelor's of psychology as well. And so um, those those degrees were in part my my exploration of myself, but also a study of what does mental health look like in our communities. Um, a lot of times we don't really have uh, an idea of what that looks like. And, you know, the information that we get from schools and, and education, it comes from an experience that doesn't look like ours. Um, it doesn't come from a trauma-informed experience. And so... I wanted to study so I can, you know, tailor my work around trauma-informed um, scenarios, issues, and, and things of that matter. So, um, yes, I am educated. Um, I have a lot of student loan debt, though, and that I don't recommend that. Um, now there's so much free education, I would say get your free education because it's not worth it as far as uh, student loan debt goes. All right, so um, the kind of work that I do, um, I have done. So I, I've been in the social services field for about 11 years. Um, 
now I would say I'm more of a social entrepreneur um, but I worked as a student assistant at a continuation um, a continuation school I've worked at a, a domestic violence shelter for about two three years um, Genesee um, which is one of the the top um, domestic violence programs out here in, in Los Angeles um, I've worked in group not group homes I've worked in um, social work as a case manager for uh, the foster youth and then finally um, my last job that I held for five years was a child child protective services um, child abuse investigator and so um, all of these experiences led me to one major conclusion um, and that conclusion is that a lot of the issues that we tend to face do um, money has impacted those situations so um, a lot of folks get stressed out when they have limited resources and things happen you know um, and so what ends up happening is the result of those experiences become greater than the actual problem that needs to be solved so black money matters act like it is a social entrepreneurship project it's a movement it's not just clothes it's not just services we are literally trying to help people at the core of the problem which is financial literacy and that financial space so um yeah man um this is a part of who I am what I'm about uh but right now we're gonna take our first break uh, I want to take you guys on a musical journey. I'm all about soul, right? I'm a lover of quality music, quality lyrics, quality production. So three of the artists playing today uh, made their marks in the music industry on various levels. So our first song we're going to play is I Need My Money by Charlie Burrell. Uh, we're going to take this break and we'll be right back. Stay
of the Box Podcast, Season 3, Episode 3. This episode is titled Black Money Matters. You are in studio with me, the host, Jay Got Soul. All right, so um, I want to tell you guys a little bit about my entrepreneurship journey. Um, somehow, I always knew that I would be an entrepreneur. Um, before I even understood what the word entrepreneur meant, I was saying that I was going to be an entrepreneur. And I, again, I have no idea how um, I was going to be that. I think what really pushed me, though, um, is that I watched my grandmother, my mother, um, create things and sell things consistently throughout my childhood to raise money, you know, and those things were for survival. And so when I see the freedom of creating something that you have developed and then you go out and sell it and you're out meeting people you know the the impact that my grandmother had the impact that my mother had on people um I I think I I really love that feeling you know of just being in in the space with other people and offering them something of value so um yeah I I knew that when I worked for jobs and I was working in you know, certain spaces that it would be temporary because I have this thing where I know that I I have leadership skills as a point guard playing basketball, you learn leadership skills. And so um, being in spaces where you are working for someone who may not be as competent as you or, you know, they have the job because they've been there for so long, but you may have certain skills and those skills aren't able to be used in those various uh, capacities. I knew that I had to create my own system. And so um, that's how I got to this space where I'm developing my brand, Black Money Matters Act Like It. Um, But why Black Money Matters Act Like It? I'm pretty sure people is asking like, why black money matters act like it for one it's a statement um that pushes action um that's what i'm about action uh if i tell you that i'm gonna do something you can bet that it's gonna get done um the timing may not be you know right away you know some things are not done right away but it will get done so i wanted to create a brand that was a call to action. And I don't necessarily have to tell you, hey, black money matters, act like it, like it says it, you know? Um, But how did I start to create this brand? I started in 2017 uh, with a good friend of mine, Justin Clardy, um, Dr. Justin Clardy. He is a a professor, a philosophy professor. And um, I joined this group called pages the reading group and it's a good books better dialogue group where we talk about books that we're reading we have great dialogue and we learn and we we move together in that way and so at this time when I was working with them and just learning from Dr. uh, Justin Clardy I was like I want to start writing so I'm looking into you know different topics and one of the main topics for me that came up is just You know, it's always pro-black, but Black Wall Street. Um, So I really started getting into Black Wall Street because I didn't know much about it, but I was hearing that I was just hearing Black Wall Street come up. And I was like, that was really something. So I started doing research, learned that there was so many different uh, forms of Black Wall Street. There was just so many emerging um, 
entrepreneurs and you know musicians at a period where the law had prohibited blacks from doing a lot you know especially in terms of segregation um integrating in and things like that so uh yeah black wall street was very very touching you know a touching space for me and what i learned was that at the time where law like there there was a law that was separate but equal and so what this law did was it made sure that uh black folks and white folks couldn't do business together and this was right after black folks was emancipated from slavery so they limited black folks from being able to do business outside of their own community and so if you could think about the time period and the lack of resources that was already there because black folks was forced to uh, do labor for free. So they weren't, they weren't provided a lot of, you know, resources, but there was always someone who had a great idea. They had the resources. So what they did was they used those resources and helped their community. So O.W. Gurley was the man who bought land in Greenwood, Oklahoma, to um, build this community where he leased out the properties to Black-owned businesses and allowed them to set up shop on this one block. And the, the great thing about this one block is that it was rich in oil deposits, which meant that the property was worth so much at that period of time. And so when he did this, it allowed Black folks to have businesses and to grow that community so at the time you know we have this we have this community where black folks are supporting each other they're they're growing their net worth you know they're growing their inheritance all of that and then a lie creates a massacre which allows for this space to be legally bombed through the government and um white supremacist groups And so Black Wall Street was massacred at the time. So what came to mind for me is like, okay, well, the law said blacks and whites couldn't do business together at this time. And so they still were successful in terms of how they supported each other and created this community. So I thought, why aren't we doing that now? Like, what's holding us back? There's no law. So why aren't we doing that now? So that's why Black Money Matters act like it. Because we can now do that without restriction. But the problem is that we've been so integrated that we support outside of our community before we support inside. So for me, I really want to push the action behind the Black Money Matters. (coughs) Excuse me. I really want to push that action because I think it's very important that we circulate our dollars within our community um, and and build our legacies the proper way with one another, you know. Um, So, yeah, that's that's pretty much where where we are with that. Um, But, yeah, let's take our second break. Uh, this next song that I want us to listen to uh, is by a very special artist by the name of Kalon Hallman. He was the first guest on our show 
uh, back in 2020. So the song you're about to hear is my favorite song titled Sierra Hall. Check it out. We'll be right back. Came up in the school, y'all. So bad I had to talk to her. about true can I write about true can I talk to you It's your girl All I need Is your girl You're the one I told You're the one I tell me now Put it all on you Everything I do, girl One thing's for sure I need you now Breaking the truth that's all I wanna do, girl, no. Put it on me I can do it for you, girl Put it on me out of the box you ready hello oh yeah yeah all right my bad you are tuned in to out of box podcast season three episode three titled black money matters um in case you're just joining us i am in studio and basically i am interviewing myself currently um so i developed a brand called black money matters act like it and i want to share this brand with those um i wanted to share this brand with those who need some practical money management tools to apply so they can empower and make changes in their financial future through actionable steps. And so I created this brand and I wanted to talk to you guys about this brand. I have shared the studio with some amazing artists, but today I wanted to do some self-care, right? Black Money Matters, act like it. Currently, the brand is at the Compton's Black Exchange on Rosecrans and Central. We are selling our merch. We have our rebranding sale which we have our remaining items from our previous collection <coughs> for $30 and then we have our Nova Sky dedication collection 
which is now available for order. So you can order either online at www.blackmoneymattersactlikeit.com or head to Central and Rosecrans and pick you up some merch. All right. So now let's get back into this conversation. So why is financial financial literacy important to me? Financial literacy is important to me because I come from a family that we could have had so much more had we had the tools, had my parents had tools, had my grandparents had tools. I believe that we could have done a lot more as a family and a lot of times what happens in our family is the lack of resources tear us apart. So um, I grew up as a, the type of child where I was always trying to find a way to bring the family together. I remember my grandmother, she used to cook Sunday dinner and I'm like, hey, can we invite the family over and have a dinner together and sit down at the table? Because you know how you have those families that come together and there's food, but everybody is in a different room. That's the type of family I have. And so I'm like, can we, you know, eat together at the table? Like, you know, on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And so my grandmother would try to make that happen. It was awkward at times, but she would try to make that happen. But I think that, you know, one way to bring the family together is when everybody is financially stable. Um, You know, we can do more with each other. Somebody's having struggles, we can help them pay their bills. You know, we can put money in a pot. And so we make sure that everybody is taken care of in their own situation. I think it's mighty strange that a lot of us have separate incomes and we separate ourselves. We may go to, you know, like get an apartment. I go get an apartment. My parents have a house and I just want to get out their house. And so I spend all this money paying rent to somebody helping them pay their mortgage but I don't have any ownership and we're just kind of spending our money out so uh, I definitely feel that financial literacy can bring our communities our family and just us to a better healing space and so that's why it's important to me I think that's the key to um, solving a lot of our problems as I stated before Working in social services, you see that a lot of the problems stem from a lack of resources. And so if the resources are provided, where's the problems? We might have different problems, but where are the problems? You know, so I definitely wanted to um, create a brand that tackled all of those situations and make sure that we can we can be able to support each other in the right way. Um, So I want to talk to you guys about my transition from a full-time employee to entrepreneurship. Because a lot of times people think it's, uh, I'm going to work this job and then I'm going to quit and I'm going to jump into entrepreneurship. Truth of the matter is, there are steps to it. For me, I was kind of thrust into a position to where I had to hold my own, but 
I think that with proper strategy, quitting your job can be made very easy. Um, <clears throat> so prior to me resigning from my job at a children at Department of Children and Family Services, um, when I got there, I noticed that <clears throat> a lot of people were just kind of burnt out. Um, you see a lot of sick people still working in the field. Um, and I, first thing I thought when I got there was, I don't want that to be me. Like, I don't want to leave this job 25 years from now with a whole bunch of health issues, more stress, and maybe a retirement plan, maybe a retirement plan. So I made my promise to myself that I would give myself five years as an employee there just to kind of like really get the experience and do the work. Um, Because one thing about me, if I go into a job, the work is going to get done. I'm not there just for a check. So gave myself five years. But interestingly enough, year five, my niece, Nova Sky McConaughey, was conceived she was born uh what was it December I don't want to get it wrong I'm thinking December 16th um 2021 so she was born with a heart condition I don't want to butcher the name, so I'm not even going to say it, but she was born with this condition. And from the time she was conceived, we were told that she was not going to make it. Um, so, you know, naturally it's like, okay, there's fear, but then she <clears throat> was born and she lives. So after that was a battle to get her to a hospital closer to home. And what was standing in the way was another social worker at the hospital. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I don't know what's going on with my throat. So it was, a, it was a social worker at the hospital. And this social worker, what I distinctly remembering hearing from her was that um, this child will not get out the hospital. And if she does, she will be going into foster care because they assumed that she didn't have family support. This child has a mother, this child has a father. So the child's father is my brother. And my brother, mind you, let me let me bring it back. You know, I think she was actually born 2020 in the middle of a pandemic. And my brother was going back and forth from Loma Linda um, from LA to Loma Linda to go see his baby, but there were visitation restrictions. And then he had a scenario where he had to miss some days. <clears throat> so at this time, the social worker was making it very difficult and it was just tough. So I had to step in and it, I just took a leave from my job and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a social worker for my, my baby. And so I, you know, did what I had to do to, to help the family and to make sure that she got the proper care that she needed. And also we pushed and we fought to get her transferred. So we finally got her transferred to LA. I won't go into detail about all the gory stuff that we had to deal with, but 
we got her transferred to LA they were able to do some procedures and finally get her home for hospice care so naturally I want to spend time with my baby because we don't know how long she has right and so the decision to leave was for family purposes um but what I didn't realize was how um how tough that was going to be you know to support yourself to keep your business afloat and to help take care of a child that it has major needs you know so uh, I sort of you know resigned from my job and went full-time with the entrepreneurship and here we are right and so this is not an easy task business is not simple um you're constantly figuring things out and so yeah it's it's been a journey but your continued support the support of my community is what's keeping me afloat so with that said I really encourage you guys to support the brand because the brand is here to support you for every purchase that you make in our store you get a free now act like it worksheet and what that worksheet does is allow you to go through your own finance your own finances monthly so we start with expenses the expenses is the most important part of your finances because you got to pay your bills right and so we want to make sure that you're calculating those bills you know how much your bills are a month so that you can make sure that you have enough money to pay them but we also give you the option of having you know a allowance because we like to spend some of our money especially if we're working hard for it so we have that available for you and then whatever you have left over our goal is to get you to start thinking about how you can put your money in places where it's going to grow all right so we want to learn what the difference is between assets and liabilities that's very important for us to learn all right so when i come back from this next break we're going to talk about the differences between assets and liabilities what is your money supposed to be used for how can you grow your money those are very important things to think about right so we're going to take this final break you're going to hear from the grammy nominated songwriter Brittany jackson this song is called now we'll be right back
Out of the Box Podcast, Season 3, Episode 3. We are discussing the journey behind Black Money Matters, Act Like It brand. All right. So before I went on the break, I told you guys we're going to talk about the differences between assets and liabilities. All right. So when I first launched our first financial literacy campaign, I launched the Assets Over Liabilities Movement. So the purpose of that was to choose assets over liabilities so we could start building wealth and building that generational wealth. So today I want to go more in depth about that. What it means, what it means, like what is meant by assets over liabilities. So here are two definitions that I would encourage you to write down. You got your pen? You got your pad? You ready? Get your phone notes. Get them ready. All right. So an asset is a product or a service that is purchased that can generate more income. I'm going to say that one more time. An asset is a product or service that is purchased that can generate more income. A liability is a product or service that is purchased that generates no income. Again, a liability is a product or service that is purchased that generates no income. So Robert Kiyosaki says, rich people buy luxury with money earned from their assets. Poor and middle-class people buy luxury items with their own sweat, blood, and children's inheritance. So think about that for a second. What are you using your money to purchase? First of all, let's, let's start from the beginning. What is the purpose of money? 
I talk about in my presentations that I give um, about money principles. What is the purpose of money? So the money, when you exchange money, it's a transaction. But you have two different types of transactions. A transaction that's going to lead to more money. For example, for the Black Money Matters Act Like It brand, when I use my hard-earned money to purchase more items so that I can provide for customers and for people <clears throat> to purchase, I'm using my money to purchase assets. But when I use my money to go to the club, go hang out at a bar, or go do certain things that has nothing to do with my business, now I'm purchasing liabilities. All right, so... We want to get to the side of the rich, where we buy our luxury with the money earned from assets. So a lot of people like to get into stocks. I would suggest that you get into stocks after you learn about that. But for our community, the way things are going, life insurance is definitely should be one of the first things that we purchase as an asset, especially cash value life insurance. And my partners over at Urban Financial Literacy, they are about that. They'll help you decide on the right plan for your financial situation and help you grow your money. And also, there's possibilities that you can borrow against your money so that you can start building more assets. But right now, we're in a space of consumerism. We are one of the largest consumer bases in America. And so... With that, you know, we have a lot of buying potential, but what are we buying with that potential? I pose that question because we need to start thinking about where our money is going. And that's another reason why the Now Act Like Worksheet is very important, because it allows you to track that. You get to see, where is my money going? Okay, so I'm spending too much on eating out. Let me limit that. Next month, I'm going to spend this amount on eating out and this amount on groceries. But if you're not having that conversation with yourself and you're not doing the work, how can you move forward and progress financially? So one of the things that I find that, you know, we we struggle with in our community is shifting our our current behavior to start to implement behavior that's going to get us to that next level. It takes us a while to shift from what we're doing to doing something that works better. But Black Money Matters act like it. It's a challenge. It challenges you to think about what are you doing with your money? Do you think that Black Money Matters? Right? And the answer to that question is going to be from how you act. Do you act like it? Or do we just talk about it? This brand doesn't allow you to just talk about it. I built my brand while working full time, which means that I used every paycheck to build to the point that I'm at now. Now I don't receive a paycheck. Now all of the money that I receive is from the brand and the brand has to continue to do what it has to do. So I can't just willy-nilly spend all of the money that we make on things that I want because black money matters act like it. So I challenge you. 
I challenge you to start thinking about how you're spending your money. I challenge you to start thinking about where you're spending your money. With what community are you uplifting? Are you uplifting your community? Does the money circulate within your community? Or does it circulate outside of your community? And when it circulates outside of the community, is it building your family? Or is it building building the family of someone else? All of those things are important when we're talking about money. You got these major corporations who have family names connected to them. Walmart, Sam Walton, right? You have, what else? Um, what are the stores we can think of? I'm going to just say Sam Walton because I don't, I don't have any others in mind. But that's a family name. Think about the Rothschilds or the Vanderbilt family. It's a family name. They have family meetings and they built their family wealth. There's no way in our community we should be building wealth separately because there's no power in separation, right? The power is in community. So I implore us to start to think about how we're spending where we're spending and with whom we're spending with all right so this conversation was about black money matters act like it it was a little difficult with this throne of mine so please forgive me i haven't talked this long in a while <laughs> um i'm normally in studio with a guest but today we talked about the black money matters act like it brand and i appreciate everybody who's listening in Share this conversation with somebody because somebody needs to hear this. All right, so we're going to wrap up the show. Y'all be sure to check out my interview, Unbroken, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in J Got Soul, subscribe, make sure you get up to date on all of the episodes. The Out of the Box podcast also can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Audible, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our show for updates and new episodes. This has been the Out of the Box Podcast, Season 3, Episode 3. Thank you to those who have tuned in live. We have enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. Again, I want to extend a special thank you to our sponsors at Urban Financial Literacy. They're helping everyday people build, protect, and preserve their wealth. To learn more, visit urbanfinancialliteracy.com and also a friendly reminder to head over to www.blackmoneymattersactlikeit.com we're having our rebranding sale where all our remaining items from our previous collection is $30 we're running our pre-order nope it's not pre-order anymore we are now selling the Nova Sky dedication collection so you can purchase at Black Money Matters Act Like It you'll receive a now Act Like It worksheet to get started on your practical budget so we also offer trauma-informed budgeting assistance. So if you want to, you know, tap in with me on your, on your budget and need help with that, hit our services page. We'll be more than happy to help. All right, so you guys will be back in studio next Saturday, May 27th. You never know who's going to be in the studio, or we might have another conversation. But tune in. Until next time, we are out. Peace. Thank you.
Hands up in the sky, keep your glasses high. Can't nobody kill the vibe.